My name is Merrill Dubrow, President and CEO of Mark Research and the Chair-Elect of the MS Marketing Research Program at Michigan State. I'm really excited to be a part of Spartan Insights. Spartan Insights is a series of podcasts that I'll be hosting interview one of the 350 alumni and 40 board members from the Michigan State Marketing Research Program. Today's guest on Spartan Insight is my good buddy, fellow Bostonian Chief Revenue Officer from Zappy, Ryan Barry. Give it up. Let's go. Ryan, how are you, buddy? You know, I'm great. We ended part one fired up. I'm happy that oh, yeah. we're into part two. Let's have some fun. All right. Well, as, as you said, this is part two. Listen, I'm going to get into it, okay? And I don't know the answer to this, but I did see you in Vegas 48 hours ago. I know prior to that, I believe you were in you were overseas. So in the last three weeks, and I will write these down, the last three weeks, where have you been? What trips have you been? What countries have you been? So we'll go with Vegas, I know. I know you're in Boston. Where else? So three weeks ago, I was in London with our senior leadership okay. doing 2020 planning. We're going to make it easier okay. for our customers. That's what we're doing. Two okay. weeks ago, I was in, I went home to Boston so I could hang out with my family. Two weeks ago, yep. I was in Germany at a okay. research and results conference and I was doing a presentation with Pepsi. It was awesome. This week, I was in Vegas. I'm now sitting in my house in Northboro, Massachusetts. And tomorrow, as you know, I'm going to Mexico with my wife for a couple of days of zero kid time, which I'm fired up about. All right, so let's talk about this for a half a second. This is what we're going to go into. That's four or five business trips, three of them out of the country. Huh. Three of them out of the country. You're a son. You're a dad. You're a husband. You are a, an executive. You are an industry guru. I know you have a passion for all the Boston sports teams. Note to everybody listening, something everybody should do as well for the Red Sox, okay. Patriots, Celtics, Bruins. How do you balance work life? Because let me just say this, you know, I, at, at, at many times of my life, I've had horrible work balance, work life balance, and it cost me, you know, my marriage. I got divorced because I had horrible work life balance. How do you do it? I mean, think about everything I just said that you accomplished in the last three weeks, forgetting about 52 weeks, that's the last three weeks. How hard is that for you? And what about some takeaways and some learning and best practices that you've learned along the way? Yeah, this is such an important topic. So thank you for bringing it up. I'll tell you, three years ago, I sucked at this. I was just working. I was out of control. I was running too fast. You know, and, and part of it comes with being an entrepreneur. We're building a business from the, the start, you know? So I remember two days after my first son was born, I was back to work. And I'll tell you, it's one of my biggest regrets I've ever had. So going back to some of the things we talked about in the first part of our interview, self-awareness requires you to always be listening and getting better. So how I manage it today is I have a macro level plan for how I spend time. So I plan who I'm gonna meet with, what things I'm gonna work on, when and how I'll travel, what times I'll travel, and that allows me to, you know, I've had a busy five weeks, but after I get back from uh, New York in two weeks, I'm done for the year. The other thing is I've put up some really strong boundaries at home. So, you know, about four months ago, I initiated a new schedule that has me leaving the office at three so I can get home to help, help feed the kids, spend time with them, have dinner with my wife, et cetera. You know, those kind of macro level guardrails are important. I think the other thing is like finding time to be present. Sometimes I'm terrible at it. You know, these technology, these cell phones we have, it makes it even harder because you're always accessible. Things like putting the damn phone away for a little while helps, you know? I'll tell you, like, I'm, I think I'm making a lot of strides on this, but I think we're all, if everybody's being honest, everybody's still trying to figure out how to maximize the way they spend their time. I think there's a lot of takeaways there, right? I mean, you talk a little bit about you were back to work two days after your son was born. My ex and I orchestrated that we had our daughter <laughs> Labor Day weekend. 
So I was back at the end of the weekend to work. That's how misguided I was. That's how messed up I was. And if anybody brought it to my attention, I would be like, you guys are wrong. You know, I have a job to do. Everything's fine. And you know what? The one misguided was me. That's hard to say. That's hard to swallow. But that's the truth. That's exactly what the story was. And that's just disappointing. But I think there's also a takeaway. So look, you also need Zappy to buy in. You know, you changed your schedule. You need Stevie Phillips, your boss, to respond favorably to that. And how was that when you explained it to him? We're building a company that we want people to bring their entire self. We hire adults and we let them focus on how they get the job done. We don't tell them how to do it. So, you know, we have things like unlimited vacation, flexible work schedules, etc. So the conversation with Steve was, uh, hey, I'm doing this. Any advice on how I communicate it? And I, it was met with nothing but support. And, you know, I sent the communication to our entire company and, and I was overwhelmed by the gratitude I got as a leader for sending that message of, you know what, I'm going to prioritize family because everybody else is struggling with the same thing, you know? So Steve's an incredible founder and CEO and, and frankly, a really good friend of mine. But I also, you know, I have, we're not going to cover it in 18 minutes, but how many conversations have you and I as friends had about this topic, right? So I've learned from my friends who have made similar mistakes that I might be making to say, hold on, I don't want to make those mistakes. I have to tell you, maybe it would be hard for some other people to make that change. But because of the climate we've built here, it was, it was really, it was just encouraged, frankly. That's great. No, I have, I have those conversations often with, um, you know, Steve Schlesinger, with Tim Armston, with Tim Hoskin, you know, just a number of people who I would consider in the inner circle Mm -hmm. where you can kind of lay out and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. How do you handle it? And the interesting thing back at times is, well, that's great. Let's do it together because I'm struggling with it as well. You know, and it's, it's a funny bit. So let's talk a little bit about Zappy for a minute. You were employee number what with Zappy? Employee six. So you're employee number six. I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say you have 200. Am I higher or lower or am I right in the ballpark? I think it's 212. Okay, great. 212, sorry. So you were employee number six. You have now 212. And that was how many years ago, Ryan? Five years ago. Right. I was going to say five and a half, but five. Okay. So let's think about that. The company has changed tremendously over those five years. The systems that you had placed when you were, well, when you started and you were employee number six, I apologize. You didn't have any systems in place. We both know that. You didn't have any <laughs> revenue. So, so you just had an idea that may or may not work. So you're employee number six and you're building this company. Now you're 35 times that in terms of size. You've had tremendous growth in terms of not just personnel. The systems have probably changed three or four times. The staff, some have come and gone because it's just changed. Everything about the company that it once was is not. And culture, I know, is very, very important. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, I know the culture from, you know, if we said 2016 to 2019 might not be the exact way it was. And some of those changes and how hard that's having to be, because look, people that were your peers that, you know, were on the same level as you back in the day because you had a flat organization, they now report into you or they report into somebody who reports into somebody who reports into somebody who reports into you. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think there's some huge learnings for the students. I'm happy to talk about it. I think I'll start with culture. There's a phrase that Netflix put out years ago, culture eats strategy for breakfast. I like the phrase. I think culture and strategy are both important, though, so I wouldn't say I don't want culture to eat strategy. I want them both to exist. There's oftentimes this whole thing of like culture fit when you're bringing in people, when you're growing. And I think that's wrong. 
what, what I think is important is culture addition. So we have a fabric here. Imagine Zappi as a tapestry for a minute. It is warm. It is family oriented. It is constantly improving. It is diverse. When I bring in new people and we think about growing, I say to myself, how do we improve the fabric so it's stronger, so it's better, so that it's improved, so that we learn from the mistakes we've made in the past? And so I think that is just as an anchor to start to answer your question, that's something I think about a lot. And I'm, I'm very intentionally bringing in people who think differently, who have different experiences than people who we already have on the team that could bring fresh perspective to the table. And I'll tell you why. The markets are changing so fast. You have to be able to disrupt yourself on the fly and keep growing because it, you have to follow your customers' needs. I mean, when we started the business, we were an app store for Kantar. Wasn't gonna work. Wasn't gonna work because there was different business strategies, et cetera. We've, we've since formed some amazing partnerships with companies like yours. But the focus on the, of the product and the go-to-market went from sell-to-market research companies to brands. It, it's a completely different strategy, right? So the this, this strategic direction has to continuously evolve, and you need people around you who can learn and unlearn behaviors because what worked in Q2 of this year isn't working now in Q4. And that's uncomfortable for people. So when I joined Zappy, I came for two reasons. Build a badass business that people were happy to come to every day. There's still the same things that drive me now. But I always say to people when they're joining, they have to be comfortable being uncomfortable because we have to follow our customers and deliver value. And that might mean changing something completely. So without going on like a massive tangent, those are some things I really think about. But it, it requires you to, like my job, I've been a CRO now for three years, Meryl. My job's changed about 16 times because every quarter I reprioritize what the most important thing is and I go work on it. And I think that's the same for a lot of my other colleagues around the business. Yeah, I think there's a lot of takeaways. I think a lot of people who are going to be listening to this podcast, part two with Ryan Berry, CRO of Zappy Store, will hit the rewind button and, and start to jot down some of the important things that you just said, because there's a ton of takeaways. So let's just stay with this and let's stay with this, Steve Schlesinger, be provocative. What's the worst mistake of your career? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. The worst mistake of my career... You know what, I, I, I won't get into names, but there was somebody who I was working with and it wasn't the right fit. Person wasn't happy, we weren't happy, the role wasn't right, and I knew this a year before I did something about it. And you know, I can't stress enough how important human empathy is with people to really understand people's purposes. And I don't know about you, but every single time my gut has told me something about a colleague, it's been right. When I've not trusted my gut in my career, and then gone and validated it with data and conversations and all the other stuff, I've regretted it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. The good news is you have a heart. The bad news is you have a heart, right? So Those true, are difficult right? discussions to have. Well, they're difficult discussions to have. A lot of it, what I call, and I have a lot of Merrillisms, Ryan, as you know, because you've heard a gazillion of them. It's the 16-month dance, right? The first six or seven months of when you hire somebody, you're like, wow, this is fresh. It's new ideas, new thinking. I finally got it right. Then it's three or four months of you scratching your head and say, you know, I think I've heard that before a few times. Where are the results? Was that ROI? And then it's three or four months where you look in the mirror and you're like, are you kidding me? I got this wrong again. And that's my 16-month dance. But over time, I've tried to cut into that and make that like five, six, seven months. If you know it's not a good fit, if that activity level, if that integration is not good, 
you got to, unfortunately, it's not just cutting it for, for the business, but it's also for them because they're probably in a bad position and they're not enjoying themselves either. Most executives struggle with that for sure. I got some awesome advice from, uh, from Diane Hessen about this years ago. For those of you who don't know, Diane Hessen is an absolute legend and was a founder and CEO of Community Space for a long time. Uh, and now she's doing some amazing work with politics. But these conversations, if you're aligning on what people's purposes are, if something needs to change, those conversations always must start with, this conversation's not gonna be a surprise, right? Because if somebody is going to work and failing and meeting friction every single day, that doesn't mean that person's not brilliant. It just means they're in a role that doesn't capitalize on their brilliance. Nobody's doing themselves a favor by forcing their head against into you know a square peg, round hole type dynamic, right? It's just that it doesn't do anybody any good. I think the more you can get at that clarity when you're hiring and being more clear about what success looks like, the easier those conversations are. You know, it's, it's interesting. I just realized that tomorrow is my 15th anniversary at Mark Research. Wow, I walked congratulations. In here. Thank you, yeah. I walked in here November 8th of 2004, and I had prepared a PowerPoint presentation about kind of who I am and why am I here, what do I hope to accomplish, and I talked a little bit about who I am and my background. And at the end of that, I looked at everybody and I said, that doesn't matter, That that is meaningless now. That just got me the job. The reality is what you guys accomplished or didn't accomplish in the prior X amount of years, some that have been with the company for 30 years, because our company has been around since 1965, it didn't matter. It's what we do together from this point moving forward. So it's almost like you get a, you know, you get a blank piece of paper, you get a restart to some extent. I mean, because it doesn't really matter. There's no resting on our laurels. It's Look, we've had many conversations and it's, it's never fast enough, right? The strategy, oh, it's great, it's working, but yeah, why wasn't it three weeks earlier? Or we built this product, why couldn't it have been four months prior, right? Well, we landed these five clients, why wasn't it seven, right? And I think that's who we are and I think that's just the competitive nature that we, you know, we have and that's why we have such an affinity towards each other. It's, it's interesting. But, you know, as I got older, Ryan, I continue to have a lot of retrospect and, and just review my life and some of the decisions and stuff like that. And here's, a, here's an interesting question for you. What would Ryan Berry say to his younger self? And I'm not talking about Ryan Berry as a five-year-old, I'm talking about as a 22-year-old. What would he say to his younger self? Grip, grip the moments. I think because of the way I am, I'm always trying to improve. And sometimes, yep. you know what? You just gotta stop and smell the roses. You know, I remember it was always a career goal of mine to be a C-suite executive. And I remember I got the call from the board saying, hey, we want you to be the CRO. I didn't even take a minute to celebrate. I was just like, cool, now I'm gonna go do that, you know? And so I think, you know, as I've been part of the journey with this, this amazing team here at Zappy building this company, every time we've made a mistake, I've stopped and written it down because someday I hope to share that story with other people so that they can avoid it. But, you know, as you're building a business, like, you know, think of your 15-year trajectory. The ownership changes. The market changes. There's peaks and valleys, right? And, like, you've got to sometimes just enjoy the ride. Um, and I think this comes along with maturity and experience of saying, okay, how am I actually going to spend my time? What's actually important to me? Because I can tell you, in the last two years, I've stopped and smelled the roses a bunch of times. And they smell great. You know, and so I, if I could have a chat with myself 10 years ago, I would say, you know, I don't have a single regret, Meryl, in my entire life, but, but stop every once in a while and just enjoy it. 
Yeah, no, and I, I like it. All right, listen, we're going to give you a quiz time. I'm going to give you a chance to pick a number, six, seven, or eight. Pick that number. Six, seven, or eight. Six. Great, six. We're going to end with a lightning round, six questions. You ready? Oh, good thing I didn't choose eight. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I think all the readers and all the listeners um, wanted you to choose eight or actually say, you know, Meryl, those aren't my numbers. I like 13. But okay, you ready? I'm ready. You ready? All right. Describe yourself in four to five words. Authentic. Loyal. Yep. Off the cuff. That's okay. three words. A little kooky. A little crazy. <laughs> That's probably very crazy, but okay. Yep. I think you're being gentle. Very crazy. Okay. okay. One more. Constructive. All right. Question number two. What makes your day? Three things. What makes your day? Uh, Declan, Blake, and Callum. Those are my kids. There you go. There you go. How about best advice you were given that you didn't use? <laughs> yes, I have one. There All right, is, let's go. Let's go. Let's I, get to question number three. I had I had the benefit of having some amazing mentors. You're one of them. Dan Fitzgerald's another one of them. Dan Foreman. There's a, I have a bunch of people who give me advice. And there's another guy who I met about two years ago. His name's David Cancel. David's a serial entrepreneur. And he's the CEO of a company called Drift, which is, I think they're growing by about a thousand percent a year or something crazy. Two years ago, we were deciding that the right thing for our business was to move forward with focusing on brands. And as a result, moving away from our very longstanding partnership with Kantar. And that was going to come with a whole bunch of confusion, concerns, product changes, etc. His advice was get out, go do something else. You've done enough. And I didn't listen to it. And I'm so glad I didn't. And his actual advice was make sure you're in a position to help control what's happening, to help direct the strategy. And if you can't do that, then get out. So I didn't take his advice and I'm so glad I didn't because I absolutely love being at Zappy. And like, this is, you know, this about me, Zappy's part of me at this point, you know? All right, great. So I know you have an affinity towards learning and, and never stopping and always pushing yourself. And one of the things I really like about you is I think both of us are overachievers or as some, one of my close friends said to me, talent maximizer. I think we've done that because I think we have, sorry, I'll put you in the same boat as me, limited skill sets, but we made the most of them. What do you read daily, weekly, monthly? So is there some, you know, there's a lot of emails, newsletters that are out there. What do you read? Give me one that you read daily or at least glance at it, one weekly and one monthly, so the students can start to do that as well. Yeah, so I, I always read the research daily online news publication okay. that comes out. It comes out every day. It hits yep. your inbox. It keeps me apprised of M&As, new product announcements, et cetera. Okay. That's something I read. I read the Financial Times every day because at the end of the day, Insights is there to help companies grow. So I need to know what the heck's happening in the markets, what the, what the CEOs of the companies I support are actually focused on. So, you know, there's a lot to be gained from Insights publications. But pay attention to what's happening in the markets because you can learn okay. a lot. That's the other one. I think that said, on, on top of those kind of daily things, I read books all the time. You know this. I mean, I'm reading two or three books at a given time, and I try to read books that challenge my way of thinking. So as somebody who trusts his gut a lot, I try to read a lot of books around system thinking. So there's a great book by a guy by the name of Ray Dalio around systematized thinking. So that's very unnatural to me. So I'm learning about that. I've read his book now three times. The reason is it's unnatural to me. So there's skills I want to, I want to develop. Two more questions. Cause you picked the number six. That was number four. Um, give me 
other than the two companies on the phone, give me two of the most innovative companies in the world, that, you, in your opinion. In market research or in the world? Let's go with, I'll, I'll tell you what, I will, I will give you two in the insights world and one outside. How's that? So now you got to come up with three. Okay. Yep. Outside's kind of a, no, a no-brainer for me. There's a company called Gong. And it essentially integrates in with Zoom and Skype and other things, and it records and codifies calls. So what it allows me to do is at scale, listen to our customers. It allows our product team to listen to our customers. It allows us to help elevate our employees. It's amazing. Okay. In insights outside of the two companies on this phone, uh, let, me, let me give that some thought. I really like what Black Swan Data is doing in terms of scraping and making sense of all the unstructured data out there, social, okay. forums, et cetera. So I, I, would, I would say Black Swan is one. I like what they're doing up in Vancouver with the chat-based the chat surveying approaches. I think they're called Rival Technologies. Andrew okay. Reid, right, founder of Vision Critical, is driving it. So those are two companies that I, I think are really cool. I also give a shout out to all of our competitors. I think they're doing an amazing job. So to Luna, Qualtrics, okay. Antelope. They're, they're doing some good work. Great. All right, final adv advice. Sixth question in the lightning round. What's your final advice for Michigan State students? So I had the pleasure of meeting a bunch of Michigan State students, mentoring some of them. My advice is use the time in the program to figure out what you're good at and what you want to do and be patient with the role you take. You're, you, know, you invest all this money in education, you obviously have loans and debt to pay off. Take the time to not rush into a role that's wrong for you. I've seen a few people out of the program rush into the first job and then call me four months later. The, the network that the students have access to is absolutely incredible. I know you're the same as me. Anytime one of them calls me, I get on the phone with them and talk to them, right? So, you know, use the network, understand your skills and what you want to do, and then get into the right role. Because, you know, it's a diverse program. You've got analytics people, you've got more commercial people, you've got more quality people. I mean, everybody has a role. And I think we're, we're entering into a time of, of skill focus versus generalism, right? So I think people are going to be good at certain things and they're going to get really good at them. Yeah, I, I think there's some key takeaways there. So Susan Wang, a good friend of mine, about a year and a half ago introduced me and asked me if I would speak to and mentor Joseph Wiley, who actually graduated from the Michigan State program. And for the last year and a half, once a month, every three weeks or so, we get on the phone for a half an hour. And I think all you have to do is ask. But people are a little hesitant. People just, well, I don't really want to call or text or email because I'm bothering them. No. Okay, we're here for you. The way that I look at my position here at Mark Research, I might be president and CEO, but I'm a corporate resource. Okay, if you need me to go visit a client, I'm there. If you need me to call a client, I'm there. When I was in Vegas at TMRE, I, I was with three or four of our clients, all of which I had not met before. That's our role. And I think people, if they just take a chance, reach out, you know, we're all going to be available, you know, and that's the key. Ryan, I can't, I cannot thank you enough. Part two with Ryan Barry, CRO of Zappy Store. I, I really appreciate your time today on Spartan Insights, Ryan. My name is Merrill Dubrow, and thanks for listening.